glad that you're here this morning with me. I'm glad that you're here this morning. It's a good place to be on the Lord's Day, worshiping Him. I guess I should introduce myself a little bit. I don't normally have to do that, but my name is John McGiffin. You probably know my cousin more than you know me, Rob Whitaker. He's my cousin. He may have uh, done some uh, seminars here for you. He's, uh, um, his wife says he, she knows where he gets it. Because when we're around, it's like two ADHD kids chasing squirrels. So, so you'll, you'll may see a little bit of him in it. We had a little bit different accent because he was raised down there in, in Texas. I've lived in Texas. My mother was Southern. She was born in Arkansas, raised in Arkansas. But my dad was born up near Bowling Green, Ohio. And that's up near Toledo or up near Michigan. And she, I don't quite have a Northern accent. I don't quite have a Southern accent. So, You'll find that uh, that's probably the, uh, one of the biggest differences between Rob and I. But I have, my father was a preacher, uh, and he's, he's, we're very proud to have Rob in our family. He's, he's very good, he's a very good uh, preacher. My father was preaching for his whole life. He now has muscular dystrophy. He's bedridden, and he's not able to get out right now. I started I've had many different careers. I've, start, I've worked in uh, the Online Computer Library Center. I had 20 years as a school administrator. I was, in a, as a school administrator, when we got a new principal who came into my office and he said, you know, my brother died of AIDS. How do you feel about homosexuals? And that's how we were introduced. I opened my Bible, which was on the back of my desk, and I started reading to him, and he said, I don't want to know what the Bible says. I want to know what your opinion is. And I said, my opinion means very little compared to what's in this book. And so I didn't say what my opinion was, other than to say, I tend to agree with what's in the book. Um, I was not employed there three months later. And I don't bring my Bible, but there was a post-it that showed up on my Bible that says, this is grounds for termination, as soon as I did that. Uh, the Lord was kind of leading me. I was always called the, the preacher there at the, at the, at the school. So everybody, everybody, all the staff would always come to me. They needed some kind of spiritual guidance, and I always kind of wondered why, but I guess they probably do that with you at work. And so I had always been filling in. I don't know what they call them down here, circuit preachers, where we're at. Every Sunday morning, I was at a different church. And I'd been doing that since 1999. And then Sunday evening, I'd be at my home congregation. And Wednesday evening, a home congregation. And then what transpired is where we, my home congregation was, they were without a preacher. And they asked me to start full time. And I've been doing that for a number of years. I guess it's four years, a little more, four years full time there. So that's kind of where I am. My master's degree is in education, which means I like to get in and I like to study. And so I've been using two different commentaries with today's study. And one of them is from College Press. It's really written by the conservative Christian church. And I didn't find that very useful. This one's written, newer ones, 
is Truth for Today. You may have seen these. It's written by the Brotherhood. And it's very easy. This is not a very difficult commentary. This isn't for uh, getting down into Greek or anything like that. So it's very simple. And so I liked how it was outlined. And so some of this stuff I have outlined here this morning. I hope you get a chance to meet my wife, Laura, my son, Christopher. Christopher's going to be going to Freed here in August, I guess. And so we're going down to lectureship, and he is going to be auditioning for the band down there. He's going to be auditioning for the jazz band. And so he plays the alto sax, and they have, they've been wanting him for a couple years now. They've talked to him a couple times. He's gone up there to play for the professors before, so... We'll see how that goes, so wish him luck. Well, today, if you want to open your Bibles to Psalms, and, and I really like this study, and it's a book of Psalms, as you can see here. I just have a few notes. We won't uh, spend a whole lot of time uh, on this. You know that that means that, that this is a, a book of prayers and or praises or psalms. That's basically what uh, Psalm Psalms mean. Now, you're going to find out, especially some, a couple of the Psalms. We're going to try to get to Psalm 3 and Psalm 5 or the two I really want to focus on this morning. But you're going to find that there's this idea of Hebrew poetry involved here where they might repeat the same thought in a different way. I had a professor who did that when I went to college. He says, I'm going to repeat what I say. And then he goes, I'm going to be redundant. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing you're going to see here. It means the same thing, right? And so you're going to see the same thought. It's called equivalent. There's going to be a contrasting thought. Where it's going to be the opposite thought is repeated in there. And there's the amplified, which is, I'm, I'm going to um, support, support what I have done. Now, there's some superscriptions. We're going to see these. Some of your translations do not have this. Some of them will have in bold letters a superscription. Uh, in Psalm 3, there is, it says, A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. I want you to know that these, many of these have information about how to sing the song and what kind of notes and types like We're going to look at a couple of these. These were not part of the original text, but it does not take away from the inspired word. It does not take away. You can trust your Bible. This is not. These were written about 150 B.C., most, most likely. They, the commentaries are saying they were written about 150 B.C. And so when you see those, that's not part of the original text. And some of your Bibles may not have those on there. There's going to be one that we're going to see in Psalm 5, that we think is a musical notation of some sort that says means basically a rest and pause. Let's think about this concept. And so that's that S-E-L-A-H. I don't know if you say sila or, or sela. I don't know how you pronounce that, but that's that word there. And it means just, they think it means, we're, many of the means are lost. Pause and think about this that we're about to study. So, it, it does not take away from it, but it is not inspired, just so you know. We know that there's many authors of the Psalms. Most of them are written by David, but not all of them. 
Not quite half. He did not. He didn't quite write half of them. There are. You can see some of those authors up there. Solomon, Moses are are, are two of the more uh, famous uh, folks that you would probably recognize most. But he is represented in all of the divisions. And we're going to see how Psalm is divided. I'll try to get through this quickly. The oldest Psalm is Psalm 90. Some said Psalm 29. I just don't, I don't buy that. But Psalm 90, they say, may be the oldest Psalm is written about by Moses. Some say about 1500 B.C. But we would tell you this. Many of the Psalms, and they don't have exact dates. Some of the some of these commentaries differ on dates, and some will say 900 and some years, some will say 1,050 years ago. But it's about 1,000 years before Christ was born. I'm sorry, B.C. Now, some will say 940 B.C., some will say 1,050 B.C., but we know it's about 1,000 years before Christ. And that's important because we're going to see some very interesting things because when it starts to talk about the messianic psalms. Psalms 22 is probably one of the most messianic psalms. And we see a message that points to Christ. Know that those prophecies were done a thousand... That's, that helps support my belief. I hope it helps support your understanding that your faith can be counted on. A thousand years before very specific prophecies you're going to see in some of the psalms. Now, all the sections... There's five sections. The psalms are divided in five sections are all ended with, they call it doxology. Now, that's a fancy word, and I don't like to use those big fancy words. As an educator, I, I try to, it just means praises to God. So when you see that big word, it just means praises to God. And there's always ends with praise to God. Now, there's how it's divided. I'm not going to go into it very specifically, but you see, you know, the book one, they think that these five divisions may correlate to the Pentateuch, or the books that Moses wrote, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. So, for instance, the first division may represent or correspond to Genesis. The last one may correspond to Deuteronomy, and so and so forth. But see, there's a number of them in there. By the way, interesting fact that's not up here. Does anyone know what the very center chapter of your Bible is? Guess it's Psalms one eighteen. Psalms one eighteen. Guess what? What is the very middle verse of your Bible? Psalm one eighteen verse eight. One one eight eight. And so there's an equal number of uh, verses behind that as there are in front of that. It's the very center of your book. And guess what? It's kind of interesting. What's the longest book in the Bible? 119. What's the shortest book in the Bible? 117. I think that's interesting. It's, it's not up here. These are, the ty- these are the types of psalms we have up here. And I'm not going to go over those in, in much detail because I'd like to get into one or two of the psalms here this morning. And basically, psalms is a way for us to assist us in our prayers. I have taken psalms and prayed them. I, I don't know if you have done that, but there are times I've got a little prayer book when Christopher was really young. I wanted to be able to have some prayers, and we, we, I use the, the ACTS acronym on how to pray, you know, uh, adoration being the highest form of prayer, confession, thanksgiving, supplications, and so 
when we were looking at things like supplications, I go to the Psalms. When I go to adoration, one of the highest forms of prayer, I go to the Psalms. And I, we even copied some of them that even my child in kindergarten and five or six years old was able to put down. Now, Psalms 133 is basically a respect for the Lord and His will. Now, I want to jump, if I can, to Psalm 3. Psalm 3 is where we're going to try to get to. And I'm going to try to get to Psalm 5 because there's some interesting things in this. But as you can see here, David was fleeing his son Absalom. And remember, he was trying to overthrow the kingdom, if you remember this. And, and, and you're going to see that in Samuel chapter 15 through 18. And so this subscription says that this is a psalm for David. So that means it was either written about David, for David, or it could have been written by David. We just don't know. But we do know it's, that it's at least about David because it is when he is fleeing. Again, some of this we've already talked about. David's leaving Jerusalem. He's beaten. He's broken. And so I want to look at the first. And in Psalm 3, it's really broken down in two verse sections. So in the first two verses, I'd just like to get into it. In the first two verses... We're going to see some things interesting. Do we want? Have, do I have a volunteer to read the first two verses? Okay, go ahead. Lord, how they increase that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there by which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. I want you to think about this. First of all, as as the this conflict was going on, there were more and more people choosing the wrong side. They were choosing Absalom's side, right? But then they start talking about David. I want you to make this a little more personal. I like to make application more than anything when I teach my lesson. Because if it doesn't mean anything to you today, why, why read it? You know, Every scripture, by the way, means something to you. And so, I want you to think about this. Have you ever gotten to the point where you think that everybody's against you. Have you ever been to a situation where you think, a whole world's against me? I know I have. If you don't raise your hand, there's something wrong. Because there's people out here, this, this world, this society, ha- it seems to be going crazy. Now, I, I know, I know that it really has it. Because when I was young, I used to think, oh, look at those old geezers keep talking about the good old days. And now I'm the old geezer talking about the good old days. So I know that times have been bad. We read in the Bible. They were sacrificing children, right? But we're kind of doing that today, aren't we? And some of the laws that we have around this country that allow little innocent children to be ripped out of their mothers and murdered, that's what it is. Let's just face what it is, okay? And so we're kind of doing it. But sometimes you think the world's against you. You may be in your job trying to do the right thing. You may have the boss come up and say, what do you, what do you think about homosexuality? My son's gay. <laughs> you know, you may have something like, and I'm going to tell you, as soon as that happened, all my friends went, whoom. And I had a real good friend, assistant principal, one time I went to him and I said, I said, uh, I said, did you see what's going on? He says, John, I'm going to tell you something. I agree with you. Now he wasn't a member of church. He was a Mormon. But he's a very conservative man. And he says, John, I agree with you. He goes, and I'm behind you. I just happen to be so far behind, you may not see me. Because I'm not getting fired along with you. <laughs> Do you feel alone sometimes? Yeah. Do you feel like people are pressing 
David felt that way. This is a man after God's own heart. And so what was one of the things that was bothering him? They're, they are saying to my soul, there's no deliverance from him. They're gossiping about him. Folks, if you don't think words hurt, there's something wrong. Words hurt. You know, they used to say that when you were kids, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones. Words may never... Words hurt. Words have torn families apart. There are times when you have said things you wish you could take back. I know, because I have. It's part of being human. But think about this. Your words can hurt the church. They can hurt your brothers and sisters. I want you to think about that. Be very careful. Here David is saying, this gossip is really getting to me, Lord. This gossip is really getting to me. Someone help me with the next two verses. Someone raise your hand if you want to read. If not, go ahead. Three and four, Three and four please. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of this holy hill. That's right. That, that Selah or Selah, it's uh, only used in two books in the Bible. Habakkuk, it's used three times and 27 times in Psalm. We think it means think about this. Pause and think about this. And so what they're saying is, even though he feels pressure, he knows the Lord is going to answer him. The reason I want to try to get to verse uh, Psalm 5 is we're going to find out who does God answer. Whose prayers does he answer? And you probably already know the answer to that, but Psalm 5 throws it out there. But he says, you're a shield, right? This shield, it literally means to be immersed in, to be wrapped up in, to be completely enveloped in. Now, the reason why is because the shield has a word that comes after it, which, uh, which makes it mean that exact same thing. Which means it's a shield that not, doesn't just protect you, but it's a shield that completely envelops you. This same concept is in Psalm 5, where it says, God is his shield, and then they have the Hebrew word here. And then it says that uh, this word is about. So you see here, there is a shield about me. That word about means, not only is that protecting me here, God has completely enveloped me. God has put a hedge around me. Does that sound familiar? Job, he put a hedge around him. He's, he's, he's trusting God. He's trusting God that God will take care of him. And so it's interesting that when our times of trouble, how, I don't know about you, but I, I will go through struggles and I will just, I, I just agonize over something. Somebody may be even gossiping about me. I think I'm all by myself and, I, and, and I just complain to everybody. And eventually I complain to my wife and she goes, have you prayed about it? And I have to admit that I hadn't until that point. Am I, diff- am I different than anybody? Or does everybody have that same, same thing? And I thought, man, it's the first thing I should have thought of. That's what they're saying here. God is about it will be your trust. Let's see, uh, 5 and 6. Somebody help me read 5 and 6. Okay, in the back.
So, he has confidence, doesn't he? Do you remember, who was it that denied Christ? Peter, Peter right? But what do we see there when um, that, when, when he went to be crucified, what, ha- what happened to Peter? Did he join, did he join him? He ran. He goes, he ran. He got out of there, didn't he? Where, what do we see later on? What do we see later on when Peter's in prison? What's he doing? He's sleeping. Am I wrong? I've got the verses up here. But he's sleeping, right? I'm going to turn real quickly over there. We'll read that uh, there in... Um, where are we at? I want to know if, probably want to do Matthew first, but we'll try. We'll, we'll do Acts to see if we can get by there. So, um, but in Acts chapter 12, verse 6, and on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between the two soldiers. So he had been arrested, right? They're talking about doing all sorts of horrible things to him, right? And so what's he doing? He's sleeping. Peter was so comfortable in what he was doing. Revelation 2.10 says, Be faithful unto death, and you shall receive the crown of life. Right? That word unto doesn't mean just until death, right? I want you to think about those people in the Ukraine. Think about those people in Afghanistan. And when the Taliban comes in and they put a gun up to your head and they say, Are you a Christian? The very next monosyllabic word that comes out of your mouth determines whether I pull the trigger or not. What are you going to say? Okay. Peter got to that point. Are you in that point in your life? That if someone does that, are you going to say it? Columbine. One of the worst things. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was in the school system when Columbine happened. I even had a friend of mine who went down to help counsel. I was a member of church, helped counsel the people that are Columbine. One of the first so-called mass shootings. And they said that there was a a young lady in the study hall and a man went up to her and says, are you a Christian? And she professed that she was right before he shot her. Do you have that kind of faith? Because that's what what David is basically saying here in Psalm 3. I'm able to sleep. If you turn and give your problems to God, that doesn't mean, listen, he's not a gumball machine. Hey, I, I got my tire went flat. I'm going to pray to God, and all of a sudden there's air in the tire. That's not doesn't work that way. I'm talking about the emotional baggage you carry. Let it, God have it, because many times the real solutions do come when you do that. And so when you do that, when I give God my emotional baggage, it allows me to do what at night? Sleep. Because I'm going to tell you, when I don't, guess what? Guess what I'm thinking about all night long? Those, those people were talking about me. Those people did this. Those people did that. And, and so David's at this point where he's able to sleep, just like Peter did. Let's, let's look. I believe we have two more verses, right? Seven and eight. Someone raise your hand if you want to read for me. Over here. I 
I find it just reminds me of like kind of a Rocky movie, that, you know, knocking the teeth out. But, but what, what kind of a bite does a shark have if he had no teeth? Not much, right? And so that's kind of gummy, gummy sharks. They're, they're delicious, by the way. So you, can, so you will have, you know, he says, save me, oh my God, because God can take care of this. I want people to understand this is my belief. I will not tell you that you will find this in Scripture. But I have seen so many people who have stood in the way of church growth that God has removed because they were standing in the way of church growth. I believe God has removed them because they were hindering church growth. And then what happens? They pass away. And I pray, I pray that that's not that doesn't happen. But there are some people who like it just the way. I just like just the people I'm with. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know because I have people in my own congregation right now, one or two. They like it just the way it is. We're just growing way too fast. There's too many people here. I, I don't know what we're going to do. I said, brother, I love you. Please know that God loves these other souls that are coming in, that we're baptizing. We had one just a week ago, Friday. We just studied with. We're studying with. By the way, back to the Bible is so easy. My son is in high school. is teaching it to his friends. He's got one he's been studying with. And I believe that she'll respond. They're almost through lesson one. They're doing it little by little. Going through lesson one. And so it's important that we don't stand in the way. God will take care of these things. But... Look at this last verse. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Now I'm going to ask. I'll pick on somebody. <laughs> what do you think the key verse here is? By the way, we're all different in our, in our walks of life. Okay, We're at a different point in our, in our points of life. So the key verse for you may not be the same key verse for me. Okay, read that again for me. Victory, by the way, some people use victory, but another word that can be translated is salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So why do you think that's the key verse for you? We win. We win. I had a whole sermon series called The Victory Garden. Because guess what? In the end, if you stay faithful, guess who wins? We as the church do. Christ wins. But if we're with him, we'll, we'll, we'll be there. We'll help. We get to celebrate with him. You know? So, that's a key. Anybody else see a different key verse? Raise your hand. We'll be glad to talk about that. Anybody? Verse 4. Okay, read that again for me. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me. Why do you think that's a key verse for you? Because God hears you. God hears you. Now, we're going to see here in... Psalm 5, who he hears. There's conditions on who he hears, by the way, just so you know. But you're here today. I believe God's heard your prayers. He hears you. I got somewhere to go. I have someone to talk to. I got a sign in, in that someone, someone had given us a gift. We put it in the bathroom. It says, if, if you need someone to listen, God's available, you know. He hears you, doesn't he? He cares for you. He loves you. 
Isn't that a wonderful thought? I hope that's a good thought. Anybody else see a key verse here for them that they want to go over? Anybody? Anybody? Going once? Going twice? Then we're going to go to Psalm 3. By the way, overall, Psalms 4 through 6 is talks about the way of the wicked. The wicked will carry no weight like chaff. Now you know what chaff is. Now we're, we li- I live in farm, farm country, and so uh, we got machines who do this now. They blow air through it. But uh, back then, they did it all by hand. And they, 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 sometimes you get part of stem with the actual grain, and as they threw it up, the, the, they, they would, the wind would carry away the chaff. God will separate the sinners. By the way, what that means is we're living in a world. Remember, there's another, there's another example. Talk about the, the tares may be brought up with the crops, right? But what's going to happen in the end? The tares will be separated and they're going to be burned, right? They're going to be cast out and burned. Same type of concept. The chaff, and we'll throw that up. It blows it out. All we have is that pure grain left. And so, by the way, I think that's very interesting in the Lord's Supper, how simple and pure that bread is. All it is is water. Think about the water of life. It's that pure grain. We don't even add anything. Don't add anything. It's just purity. It's in the simplest form. That that unleavened bread so aptly represents Christ. But that chaff is going to go away. So I want to go here to verse uh, to 5. This is a prayer in the day. In the morning, he has a prayer that he's going to say. Now, this, there's a, a line in this prayer that is actually a, was one of the songs that they would sing. There's a line in here as part of the songs that they sing when they would go to war. And it was, uh, it's, it's actually in this. You, we're not, probably not going to get the time to analyze that, but, but when they go to war, there's one of those lines that are in here. But when should you pray? Some people say, some people say there's, you know, how do you pray continuously? I'm, I don't know. I mean, if I'm on my cell phone all the time, have you ever seen people knock into the, into the poles? <laughs> Obviously, you're not having your head down in that type of prayer, I believe it means you have a prayerful mind. I'm constantly, my mind is always on godly things. My mind is always focused on him and not on me. And I believe that that's, because I, 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 I couldn't constantly be in prayer and be able to function. But you have to have a prayerful mind all the time. Pray without ceasing. Now there are some people say, there some people say, and I don't know this, I haven't done this research, but they say in the Bible there are seven different times that, that prayer is mentioned when people have had prayer. Morning is one of them. Evening is one of them. And see here, should we pray? What's the best way to start your day in the morning? It's not Folgers. Come on. It's, not Folgers. it's prayer, right? So here he has, he has uh, bringing his day, and he's going to be talking about um, a religious man versus the evil man, life with God, his response. So, remember, this prayer here is more of a request, okay? It may not have been a formal prayer. It could have been, but it's more of a request we're going to see. Um, so, that word, re- prayer or request, was not in the original text. It was added for clarity by the translators. 
just so you know. But we know that it's a prayer or request, just by the way it's written. And he's waiting for a response. Now we want to read the first four, uh, well, we're going to read the first three verses. Do I have a volunteer quickly? Anybody volunteering to read the first three verses? of? Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee I will pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, Neither shall evil dwell with thee. Now going back to verse 4, I like this translation. In the morning I, I will order my prayer to thee and eagerly watch. Here it says, to, I will look up. I will eagerly watch. Folks, if you pray for rain, are you bringing the umbrella? Yeah. He's confident that when he prays, God is going to hear his prayer. Is he not? He's saying, Lord, I... Not only am I praying to you, I'm expecting you to help me in some way. It may not be the way you want. I'm going to tell you, there was an elder at a church one time, and uh, we, we, what happened is I was uh, interviewing for, for a job at a place where his son had, had been, and he let me know he had a son. I said, I didn't know you had a son. I thought you just had a daughter. He said, no, I had a son. He died. I said, oh, that's horrible. He goes, yeah. I said, how did you get through that? And he says, John, it was really simple. First of all, I knew the only way I was ever going to see my son again was if I stayed faithful. Because my son died. He was a faithful Christian. And he says, but it took me years before I understood why my son had to die. He said, there's another member of church. You may know them. I said, oh, yeah, they're very active. He says, well, that man was not. His wife came all the time. And they had a son that died about the same age that my son was when he died. It was a few years later. And we were having a cleanup day at the church. And that, young, that man comes up to me and he says, How do you get through it? How do you get through the day? I can't hardly get up in the morning knowing and thinking about my son and the way that he passed away. Now, folks, I want you to know, whatever you're going through, I can assure you, everybody in here is going through their own issues and struggles. No matter what you're going through, you aren't alone. Someone has gone through that before. If you know someone that's going through a struggle and you have gone through it before, I'm encouraging you to go to that person and let them know. There's light at the end of the tunnel. But this man says, he comes to him and he says, how do you get through it? He goes, because the only way I'm going to see my son again is if I stay faithful. That man was baptized into Christ and has been an active servant. And that elder told me, he says, my son died so that that man could be saved. Isn't that powerful? That's powerful. God the Father's son died so that you could be saved. And this is the same type of thing that we're seeing here 
in Psalm 5 is I'm eagerly waiting and I'm looking for an answer, but it may not be the answer the way you want it to be. I may not understand right now why you answered this way, but trust God's will always. Here. God hears the righteous. Somebody help me out. Go to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. Somebody real quick. First person there, raise your hand. Okay, go ahead. Luke. Oh, wait a minute. I think some verses says do iniquity, it's sin or evil, right? So the Lord's face is against those. He cannot be in a presence, right? He has an end of sin. But he says what? He hears the righteous. He hears the righteous. He may not answer it the way you want, but he hears your prayers. Someone help me. Go to um, John chapter 9. Because I'm going to tell you what the movies say. Movies say I can live the worst life in the world, and I'm I'm murdering people, I'm stealing, I'm swearing, I'm I'm sleeping around with everybody, and then all of a sudden an epiphany comes to me, and I say, God, if you'll just get me out of this jam, I will be faithful. When I was uh, a coach there at Ohio, Ohio University, I was assistant wrestling coach at Ohio University, and I had a young man. He was an all two-time All-American. He placed second in the country. NCAA Division One. He was pretty good. Also placed fourth, two-time All-American. He comes to me. He goes, he goes, Coach. I don't know what to do. You know, last night I was sleeping around with these girls, and I don't didn't know them. And I don't know what to do. I think I might have AIDS. And I said, Well, there's a clinic right down the down there. And I said, But you gotta get your life straight, bud. You gotta get your life straight. He didn't listen. Comes to me next week. What does he do? Same thing. Not listening. By the way, I had him come in and do a clinic at our local high school. He says, John, I do just about anything. And do you know what he said? He says, you know what? Now, he's not a member of the church, but he's a religious fellow now. He says he's found God. And he started preaching to him, and he prayed for these kids. So at least he's halfway there, right? We're get, I'm getting him halfway there. Well, maybe we can get him the whole way there. But, but he understood um, some things. So he doesn't hear the prayers of, of the... He turns, he turns his face from those who are evil. He could pray all he wants. That, oh God, I, I, I slept with this girl last night. I don't know. I might have AIDS. God's going to turn his ear away from that. He doesn't even look at that. Someone read John chapter 9, verse 31. Who has it? I know somebody turned there. Go ahead. Back here. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Okay, who, who does he not hear? Sinners. Sinners. Who does he hear? Those who do his will. So you're right. It's so comforting to know that God hears you. But know this. We need to do his will. And by the, are we going to falter sometimes? Yes. I believe we all falter. I don't think that's what we're talking about. You're not just in and out of salvation like this. Okay. But who does he hear? Who doesn't he hear? Okay. Now, I want, I want to make that very close because... We're going to go on and we'll, we'll read the rest, of, rest of the psalm. But the boastful should not seek answers according to this psalm. The boastful. That's the people who rely on themselves. They don't rely on God. I could do it all by myself. How many, how many guys here think they can fix everything? By the way, women sometimes will come up. They just want to tell you their issues. 
and they just want you to listen. And what I do it all the time. My wife comes up, and I go, okay, well, why don't we do... She goes, I just want you to listen. Okay? guys. That's how guys are made, just so you know, women. It doesn't mean they doesn't love you. It just means we try to fix things. Uh, but that boastful should not seek answers. Those who do iniquity, those who sin, that means those who practice sin, those who continue. We're going to talk about that in our worship service, the difference of falling every now and then and trying to be restored and then someone who willfully sins or continually sins or habitually sins. And those who shed innocent blood, those who shed blood. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how many prayers you have. If I'm a doctor performing abortions today, God does not hear my prayers. I'm sorry. That's what my Bible says. I'm not saying it. The Bible says that. So, deceitful. What's deceitful? People who don't tell the truth, right? By the way, it also goes on in, this, in the next few verses. It says, it's hard to separate. That's not the way it's, it's said. We're going to see this. But it's hard to separate the person from the sin. Sometimes we're known by what we do. Sometimes it's hard to separate the person from the sin. Now, do we love the sinner and hate the sin? That's not actually a phrase you'll find in your Bible, but the concepts are there. The concepts are we're to love those. But part of loving is being able to tell someone that they are in sin. How, how late do you guys go? In my church, we go to 20 after. 15 after. Okay. Um, there is, in Psalm 5, 12 verses. We, we, just, we got to a few. But I'm going to ask you, to do one thing. I want you to go home and read the, the rest of Psalm 5. It talks about God being a, a shield against those. And this shield, there's two different kinds of shields. And the reason I just want to make this statement, then we'll, we'll end. There's two different kinds of shields. But there was that little tiny shield that you would just... And then there was a, a shield that a lot of times you'd have your servant carry that would cover from head to toe. The shield we're talking about here is God will protect us. God will answer our prayers. He will protect us from head to toe. And we read in verse three, in Psalm 3 that he will completely envelop us with his love and protection. There's a lot more there, and I'm sorry we didn't get to all of it, but that's where we're at. So I'd like to end in prayer, please. Bow your heads. Our Father in heaven, we come to you. We're grateful for all that you've done. Thank you for helping us to open our minds and our hearts to your word. Help us to be able to get in and dive in and, and know that, that you are our Lord and we can count on you and we can, we can know that you answer our prayers as long as we are continuing to do as you want us to do. Lord, we just ask that you be with us. And so we ask you to be with those who have been providentially hindered this morning and let, allow them to return to worship with us once again. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.